Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everybody, welcome to the B4 Church Podcast. My name is Ashley, I am your host today. And today, Alex is still out on his paternity leave, so I am joined by two friends. One is our Youth and Young Adults Director, Pastor Lane Greenwood-Perez. Hello. Could you have more names, Lane? I could, I could. (laughs) My middle name is Edward, if that helps. Oh, wow, no, we're not adding that. (laughs) Um, And we're also joined today by our Communications Director, Tiffany Pugh. Hello, everybody. Yeah, so I invited the two of you here because we wanted to have, you may or may not know this, I'm a little interested in topics related to sexuality and relationships and all kinds of things, as is Lane. Um, We both have offline nerded out about these topics a lot. So I had wanted for a while to invite him onto the podcast to kind of have that conversation in a more public space. And I wanted to invite Tiffany to make sure we don't delve too far into nerddom. (laughs) And also because Lane and I are the least single people here. And we wanted to make sure that we had <laughs> the least single, <laughs> at least one single person in the room. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Well, we wanted to make sure that we had that perspective included in the conversation Absolutely. because it often gets ignored. And so, apparently, wow. as someone who is single, we wanted to make sure that we had that voice represented. Well. Yeah. Should I tell them I like long walks on the beach? Oh, or, please. Yeah, this give things. me a free okay. advertisement. For right. If you have a son or a grandson or a neighbor who okay, loves maybe Jesus. Maybe. I'm sure they're great, though. <laughs> <laughs> we take that back. We don't want. Yeah, yeah. Tiffany does not want to be set up with anyone. Oh, but, what a nightmare. <laughs> unless the lists come pouring in. I don't know. It could really mix up my life a little you bit. You can send them to me. I'll screen them. Absolutely. And then if they're great, I'll send yeah. them to Tiffany. You can email <laughs> podcast at beforechurch.org. Totally. Um, it's true. <laughs> well, and I do feel like I've been on staff now for two years mm-hmm. and we've now become like closer friends. And I had a couple different conversations with Ashley, like where I would just see her like once and then like a month later, I'd see her again. Right. <laughs> yes. And every time I interacted with Ashley, it was, hey, let's talk about relationships. <laughs> and somehow the conversation always went there. Like yes. church, God, relationships, yep. singleness, married. So I was like, I can attest to your guys' passion of the subject. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I'm here to keep you within the reins of nerdum. So yes. excited to be here. <laughs> and we are glad to have you joining us today. Yeah. Awesome. So talking about your guys' passion for this, I mean, Lane, give us a bit of history. Not everybody knows that your before secret past this life. moment, <laughs> you- Start, that's not starting well. <laughs> <laughs> right? You were known as the sex man. Did I get that nickname yeah. correct? Yeah, no. the sex man, which probably deserves a caveat. Uh, yeah, we need to explain yeah, please that. Please give us the history. No, yeah. known rumors need to be started. No, yeah. no. Yeah, so I I worked, um, my wife and I moved up here to, to the Portland area uh, two weeks after we got married. And I was working at a church called Central Bible on the east side. Mm-hmm. And um, I was only there part-time as a worship pastor. And so um, I started asking God, like, how else can I make money? (laughs) And, uh, you know, (laughs) buy the things that I need for this new marriage and things like this. Um, And this job kind of came to the surface at First Image, which is a Christian Mm -hmm. nonprofit organization. Um, They uh, host the pregnancy resource centers, um, those locations Mm -hmm. in the Beaverton area. Sorry, the Portland area. And they had a program called the Reality Project. Um, which ran for over 10 years, which has just discontinued, but it's their sexual integrity program. So I applied for this job and this job entailed me going to 
about 25 different public and private high schools all over the Portland metro area. And I would go into the health classrooms and I would talk about sexual integrity, healthy relationships, mm-hmm. addictions, abuse, trafficking, that kind of thing. Just light stuff. Just all the light, easy <laughs> stuff. Uh, easy breezy. I literally did that, you know, 30 plus hours a week. I was in schools public speaking about this subject wow. matter. Um, and it was amazing because the teachers were the ones that were actually inviting us in to be a part mm-hmm. of the curriculum. Um, and it's, it was it was an incredible job. I really enjoyed what I did. And the, the students uh, began to refer to me as the sex man because I would come in and I would talk about <laughs> sex. And so, which is funny in the classroom, you know, totally, you're, you're yes. trying to lighten the mood. They're like, hey, it's sex man. Like it's, 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 a, it's a thing. They yeah. liked you. That's why they gave you it's the name. Right, yeah. right, right. But context is important. Amen <laughs> um, and amen. I, I was at, uh, I was going out to dinner with my, my parents and my son and my wife. And we walked into Old Spaghetti Factory and the host behind the counter points me. And this is a full room pre-COVID, right? So like this is every, like packed dinner hour. And this, and this guy just goes, hey, you're the sex man. <laughs> like, no, no, not me. And I was like, hey, like wait, back up. Up. <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. So without context, you know, I was like, I'm going to get tackled by a security guard. Like something bad. An <laughs> undercover <laughs> police officer like yeah. jumps out. Yeah, for real. Air marshal happens to be in the old spaghetti factory. Yeah, like that. That wasn't good. But I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that job. Wow. Um, but, you know, I did it for three years. It's a long time to talk about heavy time. stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I got a lot of really cool connection with with young people and um, really kind of a sacred space where uh, we were able to bring this this message about sexuality that was more holistic than what they were used to getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to talk about Jesus in the classroom, mm-hmm. but I was able to talk about God's design for sex. Absolutely. And um, kind of giving yourself dignity and honor and giving yeah. others dignity and honor. Um, mm-hmm. And and that was a really, really cool experience to be able to do that. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Oh, that's and- awesome. Great stories. <laughs> yes, plenty of great stories came out of that. For Absolutely. Sure. And, and if you can speak in front of high school students about sex, you can speak anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, true. It, although it is pretty easy to get their attention. You just true. you know start saying some jokes and uh, you, yeah. you got them. You Any got terms, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the whole room is silent. <laughs> All ears. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And Ashley, you've kind of talked a little bit about just where you're like, you are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And, but... When and how did that passion start? Did it start once you were married? You're like, yes, now no. I'm really excited about relationships. Or- no, actually, it started yeah. when I was 11. Um, <laughs> I read the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And, uh, Great starter. <laughs> which you might be questioning my parents. They were not the ones that gave me the book. <laughs> I was in a Bible study at church, and it was the first time that I had read a book where somebody took scripture and applied it to a real-life situation or like an actual, you know, everyday modern world problem. And that was so exciting Mm -hmm. to me. And also I was 11 and I was like very much into like romance and things. So I was like, oh, like there's more of these books. So I went down like the black hole of all the like Joshua Joshua Harris books and the Eric and Leslie Ludy and some other people that were writing in the purity culture at that time and really was interested in the relationship side of it. And then, you know, if you are not in a relationship and you would like to be, the next best thing is to read about it. (laughs) So through all of high school and college, I was just kind of constantly collecting information. Then in college, took a really influential class on marriage, sex, and family. That was an experimental course taught by a male and female professor who both had very different views, Mm. but 
um, that was when I started to become more interested in the sexuality part of it. So from there, like I kind of got some books there and started delving into that and like reading one book led to another book, which led to another book. And then at a certain point it was like, I'm still single and I don't want to be. Why is this still happening? Mm. And so that kind of led me to read more and to dive more into that and understand what do I do with this desire to be married when I'm still single? How do I move forward? How has, you know, maybe the ideas that I had when I was 11 reading this Ica's Dating Goodbye book aren't that great. What do I do with that? Um, And then even after I got married, I think I still was wrestling with the weirdness and awkwardness of that period of being single. And Mm -hmm. so now, like, if you were to look into my Amazon purchases, I buy a lot of books that are not for my demographic because (laughs) I read a lot of things that are on singleness still or a lot of things on sexuality and how single people and young people can walk through that well because I, and how not well also, but because I'm just very curious about it. And I like, I like learning about how God has so designed these things to work in a particular way and looking to see whether in Christian sources or non-Christian sources, how that works out when we do that and how it works out when we don't. And so mostly I'm just a nerd. And if I find something, I just like running down the rabbit hole, (laughs) but that was, that's a rabbit hole that has continued for how old am I? 20 years now. So, oh my gosh. From 11 to 9. And have you found all the answers? Oh, no. And I, I think that's when I was in high school, that was what I was looking for. If I find the correct formula, I'm going mm-hmm. to be able to make all of this stuff work. Yep. And I think one of the reasons that I've become more interested in the topic and have continued reading on it is the more that I've read, the more that I've realized that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, there's a lot of grace involved. There's a lot of God's providence involved. There's a lot of redemption involved. And so continuing to learn about that Uh, And just see all of the different ways that that can work out, but how the biblical principles remain the same and remain important no matter what your story looks like. It's just super interesting. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. And I think one of the reasons the three of us are gathered here today is this conversation publicly happened a couple, Mm -hmm. probably half a year ago now. A couple months ago. A couple months, six months, (laughs) about with the young adults Mm. in light of a conversation that you were just having Lane, you initiated it as leading our young adults ministry with sexuality. And what Mm -hmm. does that look like for young Christians? What does that look like for being Christian and sexuality, the whole spectrum of it? And you mentioned I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And from the surface and when it originally came out, Mm -hmm. it got a lot of hype. It was really exciting. It sounded good on paper, right? Like, But then you hit on this thing called purity culture. Now, some of our listeners don't really know what purity culture is. So can you guys give us a definition of that? And Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? You want me to go? Sure. No, I, I think that um, purity culture is one of those things where maybe the desired outcome was intended to bring a culture of sexual morality to a new generation of young people. But the methodology um, did, a, I think, a, a lot more damage than it did mm. good, mm-hmm. um, even if it was well-intended. Right. Um if you're familiar with things like purity rings, right? Like mm-hmm. I wore a purity ring in yeah. high school. True Love Weights, right? Was I was never that cool. The be- oh. <laughs> well, I wanted one, but alas. It's interesting because it cre- it kind of created this whole culture yep. um, where there was a almost like a hierarchy or mm-hmm. um, like a caste system yep. of like you're sporting your purity ring, um, almost like a badge of honor mm-hmm. uh, to like display your virginity honestly like which is weird if you think about it yeah if you actually break it down it's like and then and then those who um who had maybe fallen into sexual temptation uh which is everyone 
um, by the way, whether it's actually having sex or not. What? <laughs> and then uh, people who had been sexually abused even, yeah. right? Like they're Absolutely. they're seeing this yeah. this culture of, and even the word virgin um, is this idea of like being untouched, right? Like so, mm-hmm. so the 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 shame that comes with that culture, right. I think it, mm-hmm. it did a lot of damage uh, for people mm-hmm. to, to think about their sexuality as something to be ashamed of rather than something that God designed that we should celebrate. Right, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one analogy that I that I come back to a lot, and, and a lot of people who grew up in our demographic who were in youth groups probably got an analogy kind of like this, where they would say like, look, you're like a precious flower. <laughs> and every time you have a sexual en- encounter with someone, uh, you give a petal away. And if you keep giving your petals away, by the you time you meet your spouse, stem. yeah, oh, you just, you're, yeah. You're, and basically what the, what the statement was, was that if you have enough sex with enough right. people, you will no longer have value. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. that is not the gospel of Jesus. Mm-mm. That is not what the scriptures teach us about God's redemptive power. Right. So, so I get, I get what, what the intention was, like, let's yeah. protect our young people from, from indulging in, um, uh, a, a culture of casual sexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but the but the motivation was shame and fear, right? Yeah, um, and even false rewards. Yeah, right? mm, like, very mm-hmm. true. Like you're told, hey, listen. I, at least I was told this. Like, if yeah. you wait to have sex until you get married, right? It'll be the best sex. You're gonna have a smoking hot wife. Yeah, like yeah. Me, the youth that minister. phrase yes. specifically. You'll have a smoking <laughs> hot wife, which is like already like demeaning, <laughs> um, and like it's gonna be everything you've ever. And it just isn't true. Like, yeah. right. Like that, anybody that's actually had sex in a married context especially will tell you that um, learning how to be good at sex can actually take time. It's like anything else. <laughs> Imagine that. You, you have, have to, to practice. learn your partner, <laughs> yeah. learn the thing itself, right? Like it's, yeah. so it was just kind of, it was shame and false expectations that I think mm, were kind of mixed together. used to kind of bring yep. people into behavioral modification. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's kind of… I think of, that's the key to it is it was more about… And I think looking back, it was more about behavior modification than it was about heart modification. Mm, yeah, Because yeah. the emphasis was so on the behavior that it also did harm, which you kind of mentioned, to those who maybe that wasn't their choice. Because I remember reading an article yeah. with um, Elizabeth Smart. If you remember, she was from Utah. She was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. She was like mm, forced married right. to this creepy old guy. Right. And lived with him for two years, was consistently raped, forced to watch porn, all these things. Yeah. And she eventually escaped. And her family, I believe, were Mormon. But they would, she would go to Sunday school. And in this article, she talked about how they would use the flower analogy. Or they mm-hmm. would talk about how, like, your purity is like a glass of water. And every time you have sex, like, dirt is put in the water. And eventually it turns yeah. into, like, mud. And that's gross. And she was like, I always felt... Like, do you know that I'm here? Like, right. Mm. Do you remember my story? Right. That, that that just is very invalidating for that. But and even in my own experience, I think the idea of behavior modification. What I pulled out of all of my reading in high school was, if I am a good girl, mm-hmm. and if I do not do these certain things, and if I do do these things, then God will reward me with not a smoking hot wife because I am a girl, <laughs> but with a lovely, godly guitar playing. <laughs> Jesus loving yeah. husband. Fohawk wearing. Fohawk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably that too at the time. Uh, and that that's how that will go. And yeah. I, it was when I was in college and was like, I am now 20. I'm graduating from college. I've never been asked out on a date, despite the fact that I've tried real hard to keep all of these mm, things. Right. Mm. That kind of led me to want to dig deeper into some of that. And looking back to what you were saying, Lane, the intentions of those in the purity culture movement were really good ones. Right, right. And not everything that they suggested or said 
was bad and we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater on that front. Correct. But that emphasis on behavior rather than yeah. on the why of why are we doing this? The reason is not for the smoking hot wife. The reason is right. not because you'll have better sex. The mm-hmm. reason is because we love Jesus and Jesus set out the example or God and Jesus I guess, together set out the example of this is what sexuality should look like. This is how it is to be used. Right. And we do that out of love and obedience and not out of fear, shame, guilt, or a desire to get something. Right. Right. Well, in a culture that there was a juxtaposition that that was, you know, trying to be made right between the culture of the world and the culture of Mm -hmm. of the kingdom, which Which at that time was also like a very sharp divide of like, we need to have a separate Christian culture. And right. Yeah. Right. Right. It added into that. Which anytime we do that, there can be extremes. Yes. Right. Like we are, we are, you know, to be set apart, you know, city on the hill, salt and light, all that. All the things. But there are extremes that can be taken where it's like, we're actually creating institutions and systems that Jesus never asked us to. Right. (laughs) And, and is it harming the process rather than helping um, the process? So you guys keep mentioning this healthy sexuality Mm -hmm. and the counter of that to what was so unhealthy Mm -hmm. in that time period and through to today, to be honest. So define for us biblical sexuality. What does that look like? What does a healthy sexuality look like, especially from somebody who does want to live like Christ? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you want to pull out your definition? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. We we can talk about the the, the definition of what like biblical or historically orthodox sexuality yes. is. We can, we can get there. But I think that it is important to, to say that even though we're kind of in a position of critiquing what purity culture did, sexual purity mm. is something that the yeah. scriptures and God um, hold very highly. Absolutely. And even like you look at the, the, the um, letters of Paul, like mm-hmm. he has high standards for what sexual morality is for mm-hmm. the Christian people. So mm-hmm. sexual purity itself it's not something that we're poo-pooing, right? Like no. sexual purity is really important in the life we're of into a Christian. That. And we yeah, we support it's, it. It's a really good thing. But but in all discipleship, in all of our, our faith processes, if it's like you said, Ashley, if it's not about inner transformation of, mm-hmm. of the soul and what Jesus is doing to make us more like him, then it's just religion. It's just yeah. it's just legalism. Mm-hmm. And and that in any form, even if it looks like Christian right thing, religion, right, yeah. it's it's going to actually pull you away from the love. God, in my opinion. Right. Um, and so, so when we talk about sexual purity, like you said, it's about understanding God's desire for human beings to experience mm-hmm. intimacy and procreation. And mm-hmm. so, so when we say like we as a four square institution or as a four square church, you know, hold to a historically orthodox and biblical sexual ethic. By which you mean? Yeah. So when we say <laughs> Those a lot of big words. weird I know. words, right? Like and historically orthodox, what does that mean? It, it's, I, you know, this is a guy named John Wesley um, who developed like a method for like discerning truth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, underneath an umbrella of submitting to, to the spirit, he included um, uh, looking at the biblical precedent. Mm-hmm. So is it in the scriptures? Mm-hmm. Looking at uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. Has the church ever signed off on this before? Um, looking at reason. So mm-hmm. we use what reason logically to, makes sense. Right. Does it does mm-hmm. it logically make sense? And then four was experience. Like, do you actually know someone or something close to you? Have you experienced right. it yourself? Mm-hmm. So so this pursuit of truth, there it was many faceted, right? And if one mm-hmm. of those fell away, then there was something missing, right? And so when we say historically orthodox, we're looking back not just in our own reason, not just how we might try to spin scripture or who we know, we're actually looking, has the church historically ever endorsed, um, promoted, forbidden Mm -hmm. ABC, right? Like, has that ever happened? And so when we look at biblical sexuality, when we look at historically orthodox sexuality, that's what we're asking. Mm -hmm. Is there there a precedent in Christian history 
where certain things have or haven't been allowed or encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at, first off, Scripture, because there's some very clear things in Scripture. We see in Genesis, marriage is meant to be between a man and a woman. It talks about sexuality in the context of marriage. And, you know, the first prescription that is given to humanity is to be fruitful and multiply. So procreation Mm -hmm. is obviously a part of what God wants to do as people and seems to be also tied to what God wants to come out of marriage. We have other places in scripture too, where we see examples like we talked about Paul, where he talks about singleness is also really highly valued. There's no first class, second class citizen. And in fact, if there is, first class is single because you're like, I wish all of you could be single like me because you're more free to worship Jesus and to do what he's calling you to do. So there's some things that we see in scripture that we can base some of this on. But there's a lot of things that aren't really talked about in scripture a whole lot. Like the Bible doesn't really talk about cohabitation. (laughs) That's not in there. Because at the time that wasn't, I mean, that was a thing that happened, but it was everybody pretty much agreed that that's not great because there wasn't birth control. And if you had a kid, you wanted everyone to know it was yours and it was part of your family. So those kinds of things, we might not have a verse where we can say, this is why we know cohabitation is not a great idea, but we can look at, okay, what do we know about sex from Mm -hmm. the Bible? What have we seen in church history? What do we see from experience? What are the outcomes right. of this? Are they good and things that God would want? Are they not? Yeah. And we can kind of examine those. And then we can use logic. Does this logically make yeah. sense? And what are the logical outcomes of this if we continue down this particular path? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's looking, it's trying, biblical sexuality is trying to have a holistic view including the Bible, including experience, including Absolutely. church tradition. And obviously the highest valued thing there is scripture. But again, because scripture is not a user manual necessarily, there are some things where we have to look additionally at experience Mm -hmm. and tradition. I mean, look at the Leviticus series that we finished Mm -hmm. uh, at the time of this recording, right? Like like we have to use our processes of reason and research and history to Mm -hmm. look back on Leviticus and say, okay, so what did the— Because, yeah, yeah, we can easily get, you know, lost in the the weeds if we're not using those other facets Mm -hmm. to to help us transpose what scripture means for us today. Right. And I would say too, like going back to like, you know, Genesis biblical sexuality, for example, like a phrase that sticks out to me there is, is naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, there's a Mm -hmm. partnership that Adam and Eve get in Genesis, which, you know, is really unique because it it paints Eve as an equal for one, Mm -hmm. as a partner Mm -hmm. in in the mission of the garden is to care for it and and tend to it. Right. Um, Both are equal bearers of the image of God, which Mm -hmm. again um, was very uncommon in the like you know misogynistic culture of the ancient near east right so so that's given in genesis and um them being able to be naked and unashamed i mean yeah. this is this is about your most vulnerable state mm-hmm. um being absolutely everything that you are and accepted for that uh, that in terms of how i've begun to understand sexuality in my own marriage and and talking with others who are married that's the higher value even mm-hmm. than like sexual pleasure right um mm-hmm. being able to to fully be yourself with someone else is a really unique relationship mm-hmm. um, uh, that sexuality gives us. When it comes to pre- procreation too, I mean, we have to understand, I think that uh, God's grace extends to broken circumstances, right? Like there are some people who uh, choose not to or mm-hmm. are unable mm-hmm. to have children, right? Yeah. And so that's when we look to Jesus and we look at this new family of God that he constructed, right? Where he mm-hmm. says like, you know, he looks at John and says, behold your mother, and like mm-hmm. you know, right. behold your son. There's this this other dynamic where there seems to be an understanding with like Paul and, and the disciples that um, maybe this, this uh, family unit um, won't exist in every single situation, but we are all family together, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, that is a part of our sexuality as well, whether we're using sexual yeah. activity or not. 
uh, that's how we relate to one another. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you guys hit it in the sense of scripture is not an explicit user manual of mm-hmm. like, you must do this. And if you're 25 and single <laughs> and have this desire, this is what God wants you for your life. Christian right? mingle, <laughs> you use Christian Mingle. Yeah, to get on that app. I did not find anything about an app in Leviticus <laughs> no. <laughs> nor in John. So it just wasn't I would recommend there. you not lose, use Leviticus for your dating Right. Life. Thank you. <laughs> I, I know. Recommend. Yeah. There's a lot of things I probably wouldn't use in Leviticus for any part of my life. But it's going to the heart of God. And right, where right. is God's character in mm-hmm. that? And mm-hmm. who is God? And then who did God design? Yeah. And how did God design, design, right? Like looking at the physicality, right. like God is physical as well as spiritual, as well as emotional and everything in between that. And so being able to say, oh, this is who I know of God to be. And the more yep. we get to yep. know God, the more we're in scripture, just knowing God's heart and knowing God's heart for our lives, the more the other things don't become actually honestly so big. It mm-hmm. just begins mm-hmm. to fall into place mm-hmm. of like, as I'm pursuing God, the questions that I had that felt so monumental yeah. actually mm-hmm. become less yeah. and they fall into the answers that were like, oh, I know how to do this thing called life. Um, you mm-hmm. had mentioned being submitted to the spirit mm-hmm. and submitting se- our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And what would you say that looks like yep. both in terms for submitting our sexuality as singles Mm-hmm. Um, who are still sexual beings because apparently mm-hmm. sexuality doesn't turn off and then turn on when you're married. Nope. Right? <laughs> that's not how it like, works. <laughs> that's not how it works. We're sexual beings from beginning to end. Right. So what would you say to that person as well as what would you say so to the good. married person so good. needing to submit their sexuality? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think one of the big turning points for me because when I was in the spot of being single and not wanting to be single— my view of God was God is withholding something from me and I don't trust him. Mm. So that that piece in Genesis where the snake tempts Eve to say, did God really say that? Right. And to start to question God's goodness. I think that is the best tool in the hand of the enemy to get us to reject God's ways of doing things. Right. So what submission looks like in that case, and it is not an easy thing, whether you're single or you're married, is to say, God, I know a few things. I know that you created sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so the things that you have put in the Bible are to be helpful to me to live out this part of my life the best way possible. Right. I know that you created my body and you understand the longings that I have and the functions and the dysfunctions of it, whether I'm married, single, whatever. Mm -hmm. You see all of that. And I also have to decide in my heart that I'm then going to trust that. Yeah. If I know that God is good, that means I'm going to be able to say whether I'm single, married, whether I'm attracted to people of the opposite gender or attracted to people of the same gender, to be able to say, I trust that God's plan is good and I'm going to follow it even if it feels really gross in the moment, even if it feels like God's withholding something for me. Yeah. Because again, I'm trusting that God is good. This morning, I listened to um, a Soul Space from mm. Bo Stern. And the one this morning was very interesting. It was like, imagine that you're like a little child and your mom comes home from the grocery store and she stocks the pantry with all of this good food. And it's just like great food everywhere. It's abundant. And she turns to you after she's done and she says, what would you like to eat? And your response is, I want a single cracker. And he's like, that's how we often treat God is that God is this good, abundant and giving God. 
And either we only ask him for a little bit or we don't see him that way. And we compare and say, Mm -hmm. well, you gave Johnny over there. He's eating a Capri Sun. And this other kid is having a Lunchable. Right. And I feel like I'm not getting anything to where we can start to take our eyes off of the good giver and compare to the people right. around us. Right. Yeah. But we have to be willing to trust that God is good, that he has a fully stocked pantry, mm-hmm. that he loves us, that he's going to take care of us, even if it doesn't look like we expect it to look. So I think that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And it, it honestly, I thought as a married person that would get easier, but I don't know that it did. Mm-hmm. It did for a little while. Yeah. And then me and my husband walked through infertility. Yeah. And that's a new thing yeah. of am I going to submit this thing to God? Right. Am I going to trust your goodness? Yeah. Mm. And so it doesn't matter whether we're single or married because I think we can often look at each other and say, you have what I want mm-hmm. and you have what I want. At the right. end of the day, it's are you going to trust that God loves you? Are you going to trust that this yeah. is a good thing? And are you going to submit your desires to what he has said is good? Mm. Absolutely. That's I got so a little good. long-winded, but that the thing from Soul Space just popped into my head. I oh, know, that's good. It was perfect. No, that's a good morning. story. Uh-huh. I think it highlights this idea that we tend to think out of a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't mm-hmm. enough to go around. Yes. Um, and I, you're right. I don't think that changes when you get married. I think no. part of what Purity Culture did also was say when you get married, yep. it'll fix those problems. Yeah. When you get married, you've reached <laughs> Care Bear Land where it's rainbows and butterflies Free and for everything's all, do great. whatever you want. But when, when we say we're submitting ourselves to Jesus, that means we're uh, attempting to put ourselves in a place where he will make us more like him, right? Right. And the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to sexuality, we are actually in a culture that makes it very difficult because it's all about Mm -hmm. personal satisfaction and pleasure. And that is woven into our value systems. Even if you're in the Christian church, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes the church reinforces that. Um, uh, Maybe not intentionally, right? But like if you watch any kind of TV show or movie or music, it all reinforces this idea that that sex is about me getting mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Listen to any rap song. <laughs> any song, really. Yeah. Mostly any song. Yeah. All genres. Yeah. Uh, I don't listen to Unholy Music, so I couldn't. Right, uh, right. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, um, no, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. that, that is something that is, is woven into our value system. Yep. And so we have to really recondition our thinking to remember mm-hmm. that like everything about what we do, everything in life, including right. our sexuality, is to be submitted to in service of others. Now, mm-hmm. I understand that me as a cisgendered uh, straight mm-hmm. male, right. married straight male, that yeah. someone could say, like, well, that's easier for you to say, Lynn, mm-hmm. because you're in this situation where You've you arrived. don't wrestle with your gender, mm-hmm. you don't wrestle with your your orientation, and you're married. So, like, but there are, <laughs> like you said, Ashley, I, I don't want to get into too much detail over my personal life, but, but the fact <laughs> of the matter is that um, those issues that happen before you get married they, they don't go you. away when you get married. They get magnified. Mm. Yeah. And you realize that yeah. as you as you are in this vulnerable place, naked yeah. and ashamed with your spouse, it's like everything. You're in naked, which means they see all the flaws as yeah. well as all the great parts. It reveals a lot about what mm-hmm. you deal with and what you struggle yeah. with. And so um, I think that's important for for our listeners, whoever they may be, to, <laughs> to hear that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are selfish people. Like yeah. I think… My view on sex and sexuality shifted when I began to understand or begin to percolate on this concept that it was about the other. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't actually about fulfilling my desires or my longings or what I wanted. That it was actually for the other. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not ready for that yet, (laughs) right? Because I still want it to be about me. And then if I don't get that 
even start entering into that, having a married person with me is totally different. And so I think Mm -hmm. as we shift our minds and our hearts and begin to focus on sexuality as being about the other, it really does begin to answer the other questions. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, I really enjoyed getting to chat with Lane and Tiffany, and we actually enjoyed chatting so much that we talked for a pretty long time and decided that this, as many of the other episodes in the last couple of weeks, um, we are going to divide it into two episodes. So we hope you will join us for next week's episode as we kind of continue our discussion of biblical sexuality. Um, Before we left the conversation, I did want to clarify something that I had said in the podcast and then listening to it, I was like, oh, I probably should nuance that a little bit. Um, At one point, I had mentioned some things that we generally Generally, churches believe about biblical sexuality. And I mentioned um, marriage being between one man and one woman. And immediately when on re-listening, I was like, oh, somebody's going to come back and talk about like polygamy or something like that. Um, so just a clarification, as Lane and I kind of talked about in the podcast, we can do our best to discern what biblical sexuality is from a couple of sources, um, scripture being the main one. And with that, there are some things that are very explicitly stated in scripture, like adultery is never seen as a good thing and is explicitly stated. And also we see that play out in stories. Um, But also there are some things that God uses and redeems, but uh, are clearly not maybe the hundred percent what God would want. So God uses people that participated in polygamy. But if we look at the Bible, there's not a single example of a polygamous relationship where there's not some sort of heartache or family drama or just negative consequences that come out of that. So that's where we can look at things like that and say, God can use that, but that isn't maybe the design that God originally had in mind. Um, So that actually is a good example of what Leigh and I are talking about of how we can kind of Um, figure out what God's plan for sexuality is. Hopefully that maybe offers some clarification and is not more confusing um, and gives you something else to think about. Um, So in our next episode next week, we're going to continue our conversation on biblical sexuality. um, And we're also, we also got a little bit on the topic of singleness. And I will say Tiffany had some really great things to say, some really good perspectives. And I think whether you're married or single, you'll really appreciate um, her perspective and her views in that conversation. So I really encourage you to listen to that. Um, If you want to make sure that you do not miss next week's episode, just make sure that you're subscribed to the Before Church podcast on either Spotify or iTunes, and it just makes your life easier. The episodes just pop up in your little subscription queue and you're ready to go. Um, Two, if you found today's conversation interesting or intriguing, um, feel free to share it with somebody. That's one of the best ways that we get new listeners to our podcast. As always, if you have a question that you would like us to answer on the podcast or if you have some feedback for us, we would love to know what we're doing well or what we could do better. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcasts at b4church.org. We'll see you guys next week.